Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Our Playground. It's your host, Ali Fan. Have you ever thought about deleting Instagram? Well, today's guest did just that. Meet Anastasia Vlasova. She's a digital wellness activist and the host of the Our Turn to Talk podcast, where she has conversations around mental health and self-acceptance alongside other young individuals. She's also a full-time student at MIU Gallatin studying psychology, sustainable business, and design. Such a cool major. In this episode, Anastasia walks us through her childhood living in Moscow, how her first experience with mental health actually started with her tennis account, and how periodic digital detoxes eventually led her to getting rid of social media permanently. We also talk about her first year at NYU, and it's been amazing, and where she is right now as a mental health activist. If you love this episode, let me know by leaving a review and following the show. It really is the best way to support the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in, and now coming up on our playground, it's Anastasia Vlasova. Hi, Anastasia. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to catch up with you. Um, It's been a while since I last spoke with you, and I'm so excited to hear more about you and your story since obviously last time. For the listeners, to give you a little bit of background information, I was on Anastasia's podcast, which hasn't aired yet, but she learned more about me, and now I get to learn more about you, which is really fun. So, Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat again. Yeah, so how has life been since we last spoke? I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been on summer break, so life's been a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, I'm also on summer break. Uh, however, I don't put it, I mean, it has been relaxing, uh, but it has been a little bit chaotic because I've been traveling quite a bit. I was in New York when we chatted last time. And since then, I've gone to Spain for two weeks, which was super fun. That felt like a real vacation because I wasn't on email for two weeks, wasn't doing any work related stuff, and just getting to know the area for the first time and spending time with the family that I was staying with. It was amazing. And then came home uh, back to the U.S. for about a week. And now I'm in L.A. I'm doing a little bit of work out here and also just exploring the area because it's my first time here. And then my good friend from school is going to come down and stay with me the last half of my trip. So overall, really great. Many periods of relaxation, but also quite a bit of work. So, yeah. That's so fun. How is Spain? Yeah, so that's a trip that I planned um, a few months ago. Basically, I emailed, this is kind of a wacky story, but my mom's, when my mom still lived in Russia and she was in college, she had this English teacher from England who came over and they became BFFs. And then my mom moved us to the States and then that woman went back to England, but they still maintain their friendship over the years. And basically she has family friends in Spain. And so I con- contacted her and I asked, hey, like, do you know anyone um, who's willing to host me and lives in Europe? I love to explore the area. I've never really been. And then she connected me to, to that family. And so I basically did like a homestay there in exchange for like teaching the two boys um, who are like the sons of the, the mom and dad that I stayed with uh, some English and it was like literally the best trip of my life we did everything from like paddle boarding and kayaking in the mediterranean to mountain biking in the alhambra to walking around and like going to the farmer's market it was like the best european getaway ever so yeah i was actually in italy like a week no way ago. which part did you go to uh, northern italy so okay. like venice verona very um, cool yeah and it was like so amazing not like 
doing podcast stuff yeah like, I bet. not like being at home and it was pretty cool it was my first time out of the country as well besides canada like out oh, of north it? america yeah no way yeah i actually would love to go to spain one day my one of my childhood friends her mom is from spain mm-hmm. so she goes there quite often that's so. awesome yeah, no, definitely make it out there one day. It's beautiful. And also the quality of life. I mean, I've only been to one city there, so I can't speak for like all of Spain. But what I witnessed in Granada, which is where I went, it's it's smaller than like Madrid and Barcelona, but it's still like pretty well known. The quality of life is just amazing. Like there's much more of a work-life balance. People spend a lot of time outdoors and moving by just walking instead of like taking cars everywhere. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, 100%. The same thing with Italy. Like, we walked everywhere. Yeah. Like, I've never walked that much in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Move to New York, then you will. Oh, my God. It's mm-hmm. insane. I, like, literally, my friend and I, because we also were the type to just love walking everywhere. And there were quite a few times when we had, like, nearly 30,000 steps just by, like, not even trying, just by walking around everywhere. It's insane. Yes, I would love to live that life. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to share a little bit about your childhood, what was like growing up and kind of what the dynamic was like in your family. Oh my God, my childhood. It's like a therapy sesh, huh? So basically I was born in Moscow, um, February 4th, 2003. And I moved to the States when I was around five years old. I moved to the Washington DC area with my family. I During my early, early childhood, while I was still in Russia, I spent a lot of time with my grandma because my mom moved to the States without us first to like settle in, whatever, get a job. Then my sister moved over and then my dad and I did. Um, So I spent a lot of time with my grandma and she occupied me with art projects, hanging out outdoors, going on random adventures um, and like telling me, I just remember her telling me a lot of really funny, fantastical stories. And I think that's kind of what sparked my interest in art and storytelling and reading and just basically involving myself in numerous creative activities. She's like, she was an artist herself and like, oh my God, was she the catalyst to like all of my creative endeavors? Um, And then, so when I moved to the States, I basically grew up in that same Washington DC area all throughout like my schooling. So elementary, middle and high school. Um, I was a pretty like socially anxious kid. I struggled a lot with social anxiety, especially when I came to middle school. Cause I was the first time when I was introduced to a new student population, you know, in elementary school, you're kind of confined to the, the pool of people that are already there. But in middle school was the first time I had to interact with like a, a like a, a swarm of new kids. Um, and then I was super involved in, tennis I played tournaments that was basically what occupied most of my time outside of school and then I did a bunch of random (laughs) random stuff which I don't even know how to tell the condensed version of it but it was um, something along the lines of doing like running like a fitness and tennis healthy lifestyle blog on Instagram and working with brands like USTA, Wilson, and Fila to promote the game of tennis and basically get other young kids involved in sports. And then I got burnt out from that, took a break from Instagram, came back to Instagram, started doing like mental health advocacy in high school. And then now I'm in college and you asked about my childhood, not my college life. So I'll stop there. (laughs) Yes, we'll get into that later. You started posting on Instagram fitness content. Why did you kind of start on social media and kind of how did, you know, your tennis 
world lead to that? You know, it's funny because I'm literally working on a I'm working on a speech right now that's all about this stuff. Or not all about it, but like it involves this story in it. So I feel like I mentally prepared myself for this interview very well because I've been writing about this for the past couple of weeks. Um, Basically, I downloaded Instagram summer before going into seventh grade just because one of my best friends at the time had Instagram and she was showing me how she was posting all these silly photos that we were taking on our beach trip and she was connected to so many random people that were in our community but I didn't know of and learned that she was only connected to them because they also had social media accounts and I was like well that's cool you can connect to like so many new people that you've never even met in person and so somehow I managed to convince my mom to let me download it and then a few months into having it I decided to launch a second account which became my fitness healthy lifestyle blog type of thing because I followed a lot of professional tennis players and fitness influencers on my personal account and they just basically inspired me to start my own Um, and it was a really great creative outlet because I love photography Um, I also was super into aesthetics and art and also just like curating a feed that was all just a really fun process to me it was kind of like creating a pinterest board you know there's like so much satisfaction that comes from that um and so i started that and i remember like literally creating content schedules and recruiting my mom to be my personal photographer and like every weekend at like 9 a.m we would drive into like the georgetown which is a really beautiful part of dc like very picturesque and i would bring like a change of outfits and i would have like the photo ideas written out in my notebook and I'd be like, mom, like you get this angle and this, and I'm going to have this caption for this photo, like all this stuff. It was like a really big, like complex, meticulous process. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I was doing that and basically got the attention of like USTA, which is the United States Tennis Association. And they recruited me to be part of their Net Generation Ambassador Program, which is basically just a group of, I think it was like 30 something kids across the US who are tennis players and were posting about their tennis life. Um, And it was cool because we got to go down to their Orlando facility and like play tennis every single year. Um, And then what happened? Oh yeah, and then like Fila and Wilson came along and basically started sending us gear and clothes and all that stuff to promote it. Um, and it was just like fun. It was just a fun hobby for me to do outside of tennis because I needed something that was creatively stimulating and this was that. However, it did turn into a toxic thing where I inevitably became obsessed with the numbers because I was spending so much time on it every single day. Um, like there's like the story that I tell everyone about how in middle school I got in trouble when there was a substitute because I went to the bathroom and ended up spending like 20 minutes sitting on the toilet scrolling through Instagram. Like, like because I was so concerned with maintaining engagement on my account and I was like okay I gotta like everyone everyone's posts in my home feed and so I was going and liking and liking and liking and like commenting whatever and before I knew it like 20 minutes had passed I go back to my class my substitute teacher writes me up and then she's like you're in trouble like you're trying to skip class I'm like literally woman I was sitting on the toilet on Instagram (laughs) like I wasn't trying to do any bad thing um but yeah I think that's so interesting because like scrolling through instagram during school is such a normal thing now like like teachers could care less and like like the fact that you got written written up for that is kind of funny yeah written up i'm like are you kidding me like what do you think i was doing in there you can check my feed like i was liking everyone people (laughs) yeah so what at what point did that kind of fun creative outlet get toxic for you and what about it kind of triggered 
all of you know the negative stuff that we hear about social media now yeah i mean i think it happened pretty gradually in the beginning in a way that i didn't even notice like because i was approaching my instagram account as like a business opportunity because i saw a lot of the fitness influencers and pro athletes that i followed on there getting different partnerships and deals and launching their own products and companies and all of that and i thought whoa what a cool and unconventional way to earn money and launch um, an entrepreneurial pursuit at this age. Um, cause at 14 years old, the jobs that are available to you are like dog walking, babysitting, you know, like maybe getting a job at some like, I don't know, coffee shop or something. And I just wanted something a little bit different than that. Um, and so focusing on the numbers and growth and engagement didn't seem like it was toxic in the beginning. Cause I thought it was just part of the game. You know, you had to grow it by doing these things. And then eventually I started to realize that it impacted the way that I viewed myself, like my body and my personality. Um, because I started to associate like, uh, a lack of a follower growth, for example, with a lack of self-worth. So my self-worth was very much tied to the follower count, the likes that I got, the amount of comments I received from who I received comments and likes and all of that. And so it just, my entire um, worthiness and like the way that I perceived myself was entirely dependent on how people responded to the content that I was posting on the platform. And so I started to take notice of that. And I also started to notice that I became just really anxious for no reason and started thinking about Instagram and like, was the caption I posted stupid or what would that person think of what I said? Was that too revealing and personal of me to share in that caption or whatever? And I just started to have all of this like unnecessary buzz in my head that caused me a lot of anxiety sometimes wouldn't let me sleep very well. Sometimes I'd think about it when I was trying to do homework. And I also started to notice that I was just getting much more easily distracted by my phone in general, not even just Instagram, but I was just kind of always reaching for it. Like while I was trying to focus on an assignment or focus in class or like do something non-technology related. And part of me, I don't even know for what reason, but part of me was dissatisfied with that unhealthy relationship and I wanted to change it because I think I've always been someone who wanted to feel as though I'm in control of my life and I'm in control of like my habits and my the trajectory of my life and as soon as I started to recognize that social media had gotten to the point where it had power over me instead of me having power over it I wanted to change that um, especially when I started to realize that like I became so sensitive to the nutrition and like fitness content on there because I would get so easily triggered by someone posting about their dietary habits and what they were and weren't eating, how much they were and how much they weren't eating or like what type of exercises they were or weren't doing. And it started to mess with my head and my own perception of like what was healthy and what wasn't Um, because there's like so much health misinformation and such an influx of information on social media. Like it's so difficult to pick apart what's what's accurate from what's inaccurate. Um, And so, yes, like slowly that self-awareness started to develop and I just wanted to make some changes. So I started to take um, digital detoxes and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. So I hear that like you were both triggered by not only the content you were seeing, but also like all the numbers of what you were putting out there. When did you realize that it was time to kind of move away from that and how did you approach it at first like did your parents know about this were there like other Mm -hmm. people in your community and like your circle of people that 
kind of understood what you were going through. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because obviously, as with most things on social media, everything seems a lot more perfect than it really is. And to my mom, for example, she just, she, like her and any other adult that knew of my account, just thought it was adorable, like what I was doing. Cause it's like a 14, 15 year old kid who's like posting about how much he loved tennis and like how to be disciplined. It's like, it's like cute. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't seem very harm, harmful. Um, and so she didn't like know much about it and she doesn't have Instagram herself. And then my friends, um, they were very supportive of me, luckily. And they thought that what I was doing was like cool and interesting and actually sometimes inspiring. Um, and many people kind of started labeling me as like the healthy fitness girl because they saw obviously that I was like posting about all these healthy habits and like I was it seemed like I was always working out and always had a perfect routine and just like had everything together and because I was already like a perfectionist at the time having people say that to me like oh my god you're like you you've got everything together like that only made me that only put more pressure on me to maintain that perfectionism um so it became really difficult when I did want to like take a break from the account because I thought so much of my identity was tied to it and that people would like think that I started becoming like undisciplined or like I was kind of losing my footing if I were to delete it or if I were to not post as consistently as I was posting before. Um, and so it made me a little bit nervous because like so much of my outside of school time was devoted to that account. But at the end of the day, like I just got burnt out from it and I just decided to prioritize my long-term well-being and do what was sustainable. And so what I started doing was just taking like temporary breaks from it by like just deleting the app from my phone for like a month or maybe just a week. It really depended on what I felt like. Um, and the first few days were tough. I'm not going to lie. Like I literally wanted to reach for my phone in like every moment of like emptiness, you know, like when I was walking from room to room or like standing in a grocery store line or whatever. Um, but I guess all I did was just like persevere through those first few days and eventually it got easier. Like I kind of became a little bit more comfortable with the increased silence and like the increased space in my head because I feel like before my head was just like buzzing with like really random like god knows what that came from using social media every day but I just started to feel like calmer and devote more time to other hobbies like making art drawing all that stuff and moving outdoors and spending time with friends so yeah it was like a it was a bumpy ride but I did it somehow (laughs) yeah Yes, I th- I told you this in our last conversation, how like I was trying to like delete social media when I wasn't using it, and so I've been doing that. Where like mm-hmm. it's actually funny because during my trip in Italy, I had TikTok. Like I didn't delete it. I think I just forgot. Um, mm-hmm. And so like I would scroll on it, and I feel like because I was like busy doing other things it wasn't on my mind as much but now that I'm home Mm -hmm. I realize how much I like go towards it because and you know I'm just here Mm -hmm. like what else am I gonna do besides you know scrolling on TikTok so I think now that I have like I know like yes I'm going on this app because I actually want to create some content or I actually feel like I want to catch up on my favorite accounts like it makes it much easier Mm -hmm. like if you consistently kind of do it and so was that kind Mm -hmm. of how it was for you 
Yeah, I think it was in the beginning, like I was doing a lot of research about how to approach social media intentionally, right? And like, and that seems like what you're doing, you know, like you go in with a purpose. Um, for me, I think because the accounts that I followed were, or that I enjoyed looking at were very much like fitness, health, um, like entrepreneurship oriented, it was still really tough even to absorb those in like small capacities because I still subconsciously was creating these astronomical standards for myself, uh, whether that was like of success or fitness, whatever. Um, so like even limiting my following, the, the people that I followed to just people that I found like inspirational and uplifting, it was still tough because like being inspired by like 10 people within the span of like five minutes can be overwhelming for your system, for my system at least. And it can, again, like put that pressure on, on me to like be productive, to go do something like whatever. Like I, I feel like I have enough of that drive from within. Like I don't need to, to be absorbing all of this like external motivation, inspiration, whatever. And so it got to the point where like, I just, I, I felt like the cons of social media, of using social media outweighed the pros. And I think at the time I had very much like an extreme um, personality, not personality, but just like extreme tendencies. Like I was very like zero to a hundred or like black and white thinker, um, which affected my, which like kind of contributed to my eating disorder as well, you know? Cause like for me, I was like, okay, I can only eat healthy. And if I choose to have a cookie, which I considered unhealthy, that means I would have to like binge on cookies. You know what I mean? Um, so it was tough for me to have that balanced relationship with social media because I tended to be like, I would go all in. So like if I use social media, I would end up using it for like an hour. Like it was tough for me to use it for just like five minutes because it was so addicting. Um, so I eventually got to a point where I permanently deleted it like in May of last year. And that also came after I did a lot of like mental health activism work on social media for about like, I don't know what it was, like a year and a half or two years. And that was also just like very it got to a point where it was emotionally draining because I was constantly every, basically every day exposed to other people's mental illness stories or like young people reaching out to me through DM, like asking for advice or telling me they're suicidal or telling me they're socially anxious. And it's like, that's a lot for a 16, 17 year old to take, you know, it's like a human isn't built for that. You know, it's like social media is this novel thing that we simply, I don't think, have evolved enough to the point where we can handle all that it has, that that all, all it has um, with it. And I don't know, I also like, I just, I got really busy. Like I developed a lot of other like projects that I was working on and like hobbies. And I started to focus on like in-person relationships far more than like casual connections on social platforms. And so it got to the point where like, I was enjoying my digital detoxes so much and enjoying being off of social media so much that I decided to take the leap of and just like fully delete it. Cause I was like, whatever, man, like I love my life, my, my real life. Like, why do I, I don't have to be on social media just cause like the majority of the, of the population is, you know what I mean? When you said how you were kind of just done with Instagram because you love your real life. I think that social media makes you kind of, like look at your life in a really bad light which I think is interesting but then when you take it away you realize like wow like there's so much more I can do if I don't have social media and so I think that's a really interesting point that I never really thought about so 
you said you did social media activism work with like mental health if you could talk a little bit about that and kind of what that journey was like for you so i the reason i started doing mental health activism on social media is because i uh, started my internship with a mental health nonprofit called this is my brave and i was put in charge of basically developing their whole um teen initiative side so i launched this is my brave teens where i shared my own mental illness story and just basically my personal experiences with anxiety generalized anxiety social anxiety my eating disorder story which was honestly tough because especially in the beginning of my internship i was still like in the depths of my eating disorder but i didn't quite realize it like there were sometimes um moments where it was like a false sense of healing when in reality like a week later I I like had regressed back into my eating disorder so it was like tough to be fully transparent for the purpose of hopefully helping someone but still like protecting myself and like recognizing that like hey maybe I'm not in the the best place to be sharing these details right now Um, And then I also did like interviews with different psychologists on different topics, um, interviews with other young mental health activists to highlight the work that they're doing, to destigmatize. And yeah, honestly, it was was a great experience, I think, initially, because it aligned with a lot of what I I valued, which was destigmatizing mental health and like not being ashamed of these things that you've kept suppressed for so long. Because I think shame... Um, an embarrassment around these negative feelings and like mental illness experiences is what held me back for so long and like I was terrified of people like hearing about me struggling with these things because I thought that they're that they would no longer think I'm perfect and like I was so obsessed with perfectionism at the time that I wanted everyone to perceive me as perfect Um, but eventually I was like whatever that's stupid no one's perfect so like that's why I started talking about all that stuff. Um, and I recognized that it actually, it did help people. You know, I had like a lot of young people commenting and DMing saying like, thanks so much for sharing this. Like I was struggling with the same thing and clearly it was helping. So that kind of motivated me to continue doing it. Um, and then I think it was like 2020, Jesus, I don't even remember which year, but like at some point recently, like when I was still really doing all of that, like social media, mental health activism work, Um, I got connected with Half the Story and Lars, who's the founder of Half the Story. Um, I found her entrepreneurial journey of like launching the organization really inspiring because entrepreneurship is just one of the things that I'm interested in learning about and following myself in. Um, And I also really liked that. I felt like her organization also had a huge like creative element to it as well. And just like the aesthetic of it was cool. Um, and it was like led by young people. So I started volunteering for or, like, not, I don't know if volunteer is the best word, whatever. I started working for her creator program that she launched. I think it was in 2020. Like, I don't know, but basically it was a group of young creators who were mental health activists that created short videos, uh, monthly about different topics related to digital wellness and so i focused a lot of my short videos on um how to basically use social media when you're in the middle of like eating disorder recovery or like how to practice self-love while like reading different posts about i don't know whatever like mental illness and like how to protect yourself from this not from this, but like while you're absorbing this type of content online and all that stuff. And it was cool because I think that those video creation moments were also moments where I had to self-reflect and kind of 
take a look at how I was using social media and like how I was managing to do it um, while I was still healing and how like how to protect yourself while still wanting to be involved in this like culture and like mental health activism and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that was, that was cool. Like I got the opportunity to do a lot of different um, webinars and like panel discussions and it was a great time in my life, I think, especially being young and in high school, like it was exciting that I got to do something that wasn't like your typical high school job, you know? Um, I think I'm just like in a different phase of life now, but it was definitely a great experience. Yeah. Okay, so you now host a podcast called Our Turn to Talk, mm -hmm. and I love all the stories on there. I think the way that they're put, each episode is put together is really cool and very intricate. I mean, I can kind of tell how much work goes into one episode. So I would love to hear like what has been your favorite part of that experience, and you know, now that you're you aren't on you don't have your personal social platforms, but you still get to, you know, talk to people and connect with people, you know, virtually like this, kind of what has been, you know, the best part of that? Yeah. I mean, oh my God, is it like a blessing that I can just talk to these people and not have to like post about it? It's, it's like the best feeling ever because I just get to have conversations and then like, like that's it, you know? Um, like there's no, I feel like there's no sense of, oh, I need to perform, you know? Because I think like, I don't know, whether people like it or not, like social media isn't 100% authentic. And it's like, it's not as authentic as people say it is now, you know? Because like now there's a whole like, whatever, I'm not getting into that, basically podcast. <laughs> so, I mean, the coolest part has been just like, honestly, I think practicing having a conversation about such a vulnerable topic has been um, like one of the biggest benefits of running this podcast because it's tough to have conversations about these things. You know, they're, they're very intimate. They're very personal, often touch on things that these young people might still be suffering with, you know, and it's a very nuanced skill to be able to navigate a conversation about that, especially with someone that you kind of like have just literally just met, you know, because a lot of these people, I might've had like a 15 minute conversation beforehand or like know of them. But then when it comes to the podcast recording, we dive right into it, like right into the juicy stuff. And a lot of times, like I, for example, I'm in an open book and I've also had like years of experience talking about this stuff. So I know like how to go about it. But for example, a lot of these people, they like they, their jobs don't revolve around it. You know, they don't have, they've never had any experience talking about these things. And so it might be a lot tougher to kind of crack them open so that they can like really verbalize like maybe their emotions or like how they felt during that time, blah, blah, blah. So I think just like the, the craft of being able to speak to someone about um, such an intimate subject is what's been like the most uh, rewarding aspect. And also I think it's just like cool to see people be so vulnerable. You know, I think so many people, especially on social media, are just concerned with like portraying some sort of image, whether it's of perfectionism or of some sort of persona that they've created. You know, I don't know what it might be, but whatever. But when it comes to these conversations, they're just so like raw and honest and just real, which I know those three are like such buzzwords, but it really does feel that way. You know, people are just trying to, to, to share that like they go through a bunch of ups and downs just like every other person and that's cool because 
you know, it's, I think it's stupid to, to hide, like, to hide all of that stuff away and just pretend that, like, nothing is wrong. Because that's not, that's not part of the real human journey, you know what I mean? So. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I love most about the show, too, is because, like, I, as you get further into the episode, you can tell, like, how much more comfortable the person is getting, mm-hmm. and I think that's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, from podcaster to podcaster, we talked about this before, but, like, I really admire how you interview people and kind of just how comfortable you make people feel, and I think being able to share that through a podcast is really important because, I mean, I think in everyday life, people have these types of conversations, but, like, to be able to share them with people, um, like, people that you don't even know, it can really kind of change their life too mm-hmm. and I think that's the coolest thing about storytelling yeah absolutely and thank you for the kind words oh mm-hmm. no problem so you are an incoming sophomore at NYU I am yep so what was your first year like I mean NYU is such a sought after school I feel like and I'm sure it's been interesting oh it's been fucking awesome also sorry am i <laughs> is that okay if I... okay no i mean i you know i'm also like like people have their complaints about nyu and i get it i am just also very much an optimist and every opportunity that i get especially when it comes to education being an immigrant coming from a financial background where my parents are not supporting me through college and i'm relying on financial aid and personal work um, to support myself and be able to pay for an institution like nyu i just i appreciate every little opportunity and the benefit that comes with it also i love new york city like i have dreamt of living in new york since i was 12 years old i just really gravitate towards urban centers specifically like new york city and just also like the culture and the focus on arts and music and creativity is something that I really admire about it because I feel like especially growing up where I did like there was always an emphasis on getting girls involved in STEM which is like great because we absolutely need that but I feel like it also sends this like false message that people like women who choose to not pursue STEM related careers are like for some reason disappointing the rest of the female population or like aren't as like important or smart as those that are. And I think in being in New York and being surrounded by so many creatives um, and like just strong, capable women showed me that like, I can do whatever I want. Like I don't need to do STEM (laughs) if I don't want to do STEM. Like I can pursue something in the arts if that's what is is true to me. Um, And also like the people the, the school so I'm with I, I go to Gallatin within NYU which is a school of individualized study where basically what that means is you create your own major like there is no concentration that you select from like an existing pool of concentrations like you literally can build it out yourself and so I'm studying uh, sustainable business psychology and design and like what a freaking privilege it is to be able to curate my own like curriculum and classes like it's just the coolest thing ever um and it's a much smaller school within nyu so it feels like a more intimate community which is i think important because new york city is such a a vast city like it, it can feel like overwhelmingly big and so to have a smaller community is like a a really a really great thing that i i prize so much um and also like 
again, going back to like how much I love drawing and arts and all of that, it's just really creatively stimulating to be able to wake up and like walk the streets of Manhattan every single morning because like from everything that the people are wearing to like the architecture of the buildings to the way that the light hits certain like textures of, um, I don't know, like a car or a sidewalk, it's just like it's really inspiring in terms of when I choose to make art because a lot of the shapes and like the the shadows and the figures that I choose to depict in my illustrations often come from everyday inspiration that I find being in cities. So to sum it up, I love it. And it was the best first year ever. And I took some of the coolest classes I've ever taken because I'm like, I, I love that. Like I love learning about anything. So yeah. That's so cool. I want to talk about something you said earlier um of how like society like now wants you know women in stem and girls in stem and like as awesome as that is i personally am i just don't it just isn't something that like makes me you know interest like i'm not interested in that and like like all the time around me like there's a pressure like oh you're so good at math like why don't you go into like a stem career i'm like yeah why don't you build a rocket ship you know what why don't you let me do what i want (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so i like completely resonate with you on that and like how like i just prefer you know more creative stuff and i i think a lot of people can resonate with that and i mean i support anyone who wants to go into stem because it's it's definitely it's not easy no but like also you're only gonna be good at something if you actually enjoy it you know yeah yeah that's such a valid point exactly because it's like it's like the whole thing where like you got to fill your cup to fill other people's cup you know like at the end of the day you can only really make the positive social impact and like change the world blah blah blah, whatever everyone tells you to do when you're doing something that's true to you because otherwise it's like you're, if you're doing something through force, you're never going to have as big of an impact as you would if you were to just do something that actually aligns with your own values and interests. So that's that's totally true what you just said. Yeah. So who are some of like a few mentors that have been significant in your journey and why is that? <sighs> so many. Oh, my God. I got like a like I, I swear to God, half my friends are mentors. Like that's the thing. It's like. I've got, yeah, I mean, okay, first, Jennifer Marshall, she's the former executive director and founder of This Is My Brave. She was my first boss ever. Well, no, that's false. I've had bosses before, but like, she was my first real job, like boss. Um, And she was always just the kindest, most understanding, hardworking, and supportive person who's turned into like, like a second mom um, type of person to me and she's great and has given me a lot of life and career advice. Um, Who else? You know, also it's like, she has helped me a lot in terms of pivoting from uh, pivoting my career because like I mentioned before, the past two and a half, three years of my life I've spent deeply immersed in the mental health space but now I'm at a point where like I'm trying to pivot away from that a little bit like still continue advocating whatever but just on a more private level like I feel like I'm kind of I just I feel like I'm a bit burnt out from like always telling my story and like always talking about the same thing over and over because it's just it's funny because I was talking earlier with a friend of mine who runs Depressed Cake Shop which is another um, big organization that basically um 
helps uh, set up pop-up, bake sale pop-ups that raise money for different mental health initiatives. She's great. And we were talking about how like, I've been doing this work for a while now where it's gotten to a point where like this thing that I used to talk about so publicly, which is like mental health, mental illness, my experiences, blah, blah, blah. I want nothing more than to keep it private now and like not talk about it so much just because it's like, I don't know. I'm kind of like, I, I feel like I've gotten to that place so um and like jen she stepped down from executive director of this is my brave last year and she's also in that space too where she's like trying to figure herself out and like maybe not talk about mental health so publicly and like it's nice to have friends who are also like really big activists advocates whatever who have been in this space for so long but are also experiencing the same types of feelings so it it shows me like i'm not alone in that and like it's okay to want to pivot and like change um other mentors geez oh my god i literally i have so many i I can't even get into all of them but like i i guess jen has been the most um impactful in terms of like mental health stuff and then oh um adriana Laterni. she's the founder of visura which is this photojournalism network really great company she's a really great mentor in terms of my interest in startups and entrepreneurship um she's a really successful businesswoman and creative herself um an advisor of mine and we're actually working on um an event that's going to be happening in October uh, where I'll be speaking about digital wellness. So that's been really great. I'll, 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 I'll stop there because if I keep going, literally that would be an episode in and of itself. So yeah. Yeah, literally. I can start a podcast about that. You know what? I should. That's, that's a fun idea. Anastasia's yeah. mentors. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can I mention, I have to give a shout out to my mom. Like, because I was thinking at first in terms of like career mentors and stuff, um, but my mom, she she's a big mentor for me in terms of like spirituality, being really down to earth and just like, just being chill about stuff. You know, like she's had a very, very hard life being an immigrant, like being born in Kazakhstan, moving to Uzbekistan, having parents that like were never together and like alcohol, alcoholism in the family, blah, blah, blah. And the fact that she's gotten to a place where like, her kids go to NYU now, they live in the States, they're doing this stuff. And like, you know, it's like it, I think it more is a reflection of like her success as a mom than it is of like my success as a person, because like the strength that she's taught me perseverance and just like being kind to others and non-judgmental and just like chill and spiritual. It's like, thank you. Thank you, mother, if you're listening. So, (laughs) yeah. I love that. So is there anything that you're currently working on that you can share with listeners? Okay, I guess it's like weird because I'm like working on like little projects all over the place. And they're also like in their beginning stages where like I can't really announce it yet. Um, But there's some cool writing stuff in the works. There's um, this event that I briefly mentioned earlier um, where I will be speaking about digital wellness. I think there's going to be like a press release about it later this month. So I probably shouldn't say anything more yet because it's not been official. It hasn't been made official. Um, I'm looking for an internship. If anyone's out there listening <laughs> who, wants to, who wants to hire a girl in the sustainability field, let me know. Um, what else? I've been drawing a lot. And actually, that's one of the things that I've been working, devoting a lot of my time to is um, just building my portfolio in terms of illustrations because... 
I'm really interested in exhibiting them at some point. Um, maybe helping out with designing like magazine covers or writing like a children's book or like illustrating a children's book or something. But that's, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm floating, doing what I'm doing, what I like and doing what will hopefully impact people in a positive way at the moment. Yeah. And to end off the episode, what is like one piece of advice that for life, like your most used piece of advice that you have? Ooh. Finally, wait, I finally remember this quote because I, like, when I did other episodes, people would ask me, like, the same question at the end, and I'd always be like, I don't remember, blah, blah, I finally remember the quote that I love. It's, love life, and life will love you back. And, I mean, interpret that in whatever way you will. The, the way that I interpret it is just truly practice gratitude every single day and, like, be a maximalist in terms of optimism and positivity and just like I don't know I feel like in my life there's just I don't leave any room for negativity or like criticism or hatred and just you know life is such a unique opportunity to build yourself up from nothing and turn yourself into whatever you want to be and as long as you maintain that really like free optimistic mindset i think it can really take you far and take you wherever you want to go and so just really just practice gratitude be appreciative for all that you have be appreciative and kind towards all the people that are in your life because people are really what will lift you up and will help you get from point a to point b and ultimately to point z so yeah love life and life will love you back love that i'm glad you could share it on here yes thank you anastasia of for coming course. on the show and sharing your story and just being you're you're such an optimistic person like i can just tell <laughs> from the screen <laughs> and i'm so glad that you could come on the show it's such a fun time and can't wait to talk soon oh my god thank you so much for having me are you kidding you're like the cutest sweetest awesome person most awesome person yeah thank you Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Our Playground. If you enjoyed it and you love the show and you haven't already, make sure to follow and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. I really appreciate it. You can also connect with us on TikTok at Our Playground Pod and with me at Ali Fan with two ends. Once again, I'm your host, Ali Fan, and you are listening to Our Playground.